Welcome to A Better Way Podcast with your host, Ryan Haley. Learn to excel in business God's way, where the supernatural meets the practical. Experience a better way to succeed and learn from real-life business owners and entrepreneurs who have prospered in unconventional ways. Be inspired by their true stories and realize that prayer can become your practical source of provision when you embrace walking by faith and not human sight. And now, here's your host, Ryan Haley. This is part one of an interview with Brett Furrow and Justin Knapp, co-founders of Space Together, a tech startup company that allows commercial real estate space to be shared between different entities. Hear how this idea has led to over $600,000 of investment capital to be raised within the last year. This week we have Space Together, a really interesting company, a startup with a lot of success with Brett Farrow and Justin Knapp. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Pleasure to be here. So just real quickly, tell us each of your individual stories of how you got to where you are now, your relationship with God, and then we'll dive into the details of all this amazing stuff that's been happening lately for you guys. Well, uh, for me, I uh, was very fortunate to grow up in a a home where uh, my parents met at Bible college. They uh, raised me in church, you know, almost all my memories before the age of eight were in a church. And this Uh, is Brett, right? This is Brett, yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, (laughs) And from that, uh, I really had a a big emphasis on Bible teaching in my home um, and over time, I just wanted to know more. Um, I wanted to really get to know Jesus beyond the flannel board. Um, so diving into the, the Gospels in high school was what really showed me that Jesus was he was better than I had learned in Sunday school. He liked people that weren't necessarily the you know Sunday school teachers only. He he reached out. The church out. crowd. Yeah. Right. Come on. Yeah. I, I didn't quite fit in there, so it was nice to see that he didn't either. So, <laughs> Amen. Uh, from there, uh, it was learning about uh, learning from Scripture, learning about the Holy Spirit, and then uh, how I got here. To shorten it, went to Bible school, uh, Bible college, um, studied there to actually be a pastor. Um, after doing missions for a year, I went into the tech world, uh, working in e-commerce um, as a developer, and then in uh, paid search marketing. And uh, this was that, after Karis. Yeah, this was after Karis. Um, so yeah, I went to Bible college at Karis in Colorado Springs, and uh, while I was there, I met Justin. Yeah, and um, you know, I think one of the points that I love about Brett's story is he learned to code and develop to fund himself while he was on the mission field. Yeah, wow. which is just—I mean—that is too <laughs> epic. I mean, yeah. that's really cool, you know. So, yeah. So my my story is is very much the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, grew up in Mesquite, Texas, which is really weird because um, Garland, where. Brett's from literally butts up to the, the city that I grew up in. <laughs> grew and, up 10 and, minutes apart without yeah, knowing it. Yeah, it's wow. really weird. Uh, so anyways, um, yeah, I grew up very much different. Um, my dad went to prison when I was four years old. Uh, mom and dad really young when they had me. Uh, spent a lot of time with my grandma, my uncle, stuff like that. And just kind of got into the whole, like, let's, uh, let's have a good time. And, uh, you know, just influenced by, you know, my mom's friends and stuff at a really early age and just really liked to have fun and, uh, that kind of spun out of control, and um, I was definitely not headed for some 
some good stuff. And then one night I was uh, super stoned. Uh, I was in Plano, Texas, and uh, the Lord just, like, I'd never been to church before. I didn't know what being saved was, all that stuff. And uh, looked in the mirror one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And um, that night I gave my life to the Lord. And then after that, it's just this kind of big, long story of, you know, the the Lord doing stuff. I'd still really never gone to church, but he would he would put people in my path. And um Ended up at Karis. That's where I met Brett. Um, went to a uh, went to the Bible school there. Uh, did three years. Um, in that time, met my mentor Dan Funkhauser, who uh, kind of put me to work. You know, when I was about nineteen. And, uh, and by the way, we had Dan on an earlier episode of the podcast, so this is kind of a cool uh, connection here that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, that's my pop, man. That is that is my dad. He is my spiritual father, like without without question. Um, would not be here, you know. I think just as much of the testimony of everything else is just the testimony of, of uh, me being able to work with him because none of this would have happened, you know, if, if I wouldn't have been around that guy. Um, he was pretty tough on me. He uh, basically said, you know, if you want anything in ministry or whatever, you're going to be more of a pioneer. Um, so go get it, have fun. Here you go. So kind of threw you into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, that's. I think that's the only way Dan knows how to do anything, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, um, yeah, so that's, that's basically kind of leads us up to here, I guess, right around there. So what, something you said that was really interesting, Justin, is that you didn't even know much about church. You weren't brought up in the church world. You weren't even a believer in Jesus yet, but yet you said you looked in the mirror one night and the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Yeah. So that's interesting because a lot of people think you kind of have to clean yourself up before God can work with you. And it's just the opposite. You can't have any cleanup until God has been working with you. And he's the one he said, I didn't come for, you know, I only came for the sick and the sinners and the people who are basically in a mess. Yeah. And uh, if didn't we couldn't hear God, righteous. Yeah. that's right. He came to call the sinners yeah. to repentance. And uh, the people who think that they don't need him are the ones who are actually the worst off, which is a whole other conversation. But Well, you know, I, I say this a lot and, um, you know, uh, People probably get tired of me saying it, you know, but, you know, we quote John 3.16 and that's, you know, for God, you know, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The only issue is that he didn't say that, you know, for God so loved the church. And I think that um, we've really just kind of pivoted into the gospel of the church sometimes rather than the gospel of the kingdom. Come on. And, um, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's kind of a reality, I think, where we're at, you know, and, um, you know, anyways. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it, uh. It would not have. I don't think if I would have went to church and done the Sunday school route, I don't think that I would be here. I think you know I would have been the guy that was like, yeah, my parents forced me to go to church, and I don't want anything to, you know. So right, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I've been really fortunate. Well, that's really cool. So uh, basically, tell us about how. Justin, why don't you start with, because the space together was not even your original intention. You were starting a fledgling church, jumping into the deep end of the pool, and you had a need. And uh, this is really kind of more coming from your own personal journey. Tell us a little bit about that and how that led to space together. Yeah. So uh, like I said, my uh, spiritual dad, Dan, he is a sink or swim guy. You know, I mean... uh, or at least he was with me. I mean, that's definitely how he did it with me. And uh, and anybody who's listening to the podcast episode with Dan would know that that's true. Yeah, man. He he is pretty. He's he is Dan. That is a fact. You know, uh, but he's got all the chops to back it up. So he sure does. Uh, anyway, so he um, he one day walked up to me, and you know, Pulse was doing pretty well. That's our church, Pulse, here in Colorado Springs, and it was doing really well, and it was making some strides. We were in our. Uh, I think I was twenty five, probably at the time. And um, I'd been working with Dan for about probably six years at that point. 
And um, anyways, he came walking up to me one day at church and said, hey, I think I want you to go to business school. And I literally started laughing out loud. Like I, I just was like, yeah, I thought I thought he was, you know, he knew how busy I was. So I thought he was like joking. Like, I want you to do, <laughs> I want you to do something else, too. Um, and so I just instinctively, because I thought he was joking, I was like, yeah, and you'll pay for me to go. Right. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay for you to go. I really think this is something you should do. <laughs> So anyways, so of course, you know, we end up going to business school and that just about killed us, man. I mean, we, it's a really intense program. It's a condensed MBA program. So, you know, in between travel time and class time, it's 30 hours a week. And, you know, anybody that's pastor to church that's listening to this, you understand, like, you don't really have a set schedule, but you just have a lot of hours, you know? And, um, so we were, we were sucking air and we got through the year didn't really know why we were there the entire time. And um, about two weeks after I got done with school, Dan wanted to go have breakfast, and he's incredibly old. So, of course, it was like <laughs> at the crack of dawn. And so we're at this we're at this breakfast place, and, you know, I'm still like kind of trying to open my eyes and, you know, like wake up. And he said, you know, I got a plan for you. And I was like, okay. And he said, uh, you need to get out of my building, and you need to find a space. You have three months. So just to back up a little bit, you were starting in Dan's church, which yep. is a different church. And out of that, you kind of were leading the youth group and that became its own church called Pulse. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Dan's church was a church plan as well. So I, I was there from the very beginning of, of that church plan. And that was how I served him really kind of in the beginning. And then it got to the place where there was probably, you know, 40 people coming and it was like, well, we need to have a youth group. And so um, Dan had me be the youth pastor but the issue was, is there were still no kids in the church. There were none. I mean, there is like two or three that their grandparents made them come. But I mean, there just wasn't a lot, you know. Um, and so we were trying to have this youth group thing and it just there were no kids. And so a lot of college age people started coming and then we all started getting older. And, you know, the college age folks got out of college and started getting married and having babies. And um, that just started turning into, you know, an actual church. And um, Dan from the very start was very, you know, you have to make, you have to do this on your own type stuff. So, um, it was always kind of like a separate ministry that worked under him. Um, and so, yeah, we had been running space and running our church, uh, very much submitted and under his church. Uh, but we had been running renting space from him for probably the previous six years. Okay. So, so eventually you have your own church called Pulse, Mm -hmm. kind of more focused on young adults, youth, stuff like that. And then, but you're still renting space at Dan's building. Exactly. And so then he gets you up at the crack of dawn, takes you out to breakfast and has the bright idea that you need to be out of that place and into your own within three months. Yeah, man. And we knew right off the bat, you know, um, because we were paying him rent, but we were paying him like 500 bucks a month, you know, and, you know, paying the internet bill or something, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of overhead for us, which was great because, you know, young people don't have no money. And so, um, so we're going through that whole process. And so as soon as he said, you guys got to get out of the building, we knew that our budget was going to octuple. So we, we knew like, so for uh, people who don't know big words, that means it's going to be eight (laughs) times more than it was, right? It was was going to get really, really big. And, um, you know, so I think I probably had, you know, like three days where, you know, I'm not typically a, um, anxious person. I don't really get stressed very much. Um, but man, I had probably about three days where I was just, I mean, I was just kind of laying on the couch, like licking my wounds, like what in the world are we going to do? This is impossible. Right. And uh, I was laying on the couch one day and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you can name one time, just one time in all the time that we've had this connection, 
if you can name one time that I failed you, then you can doubt me. But wow. until then, you can't. So get up and go figure it out. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I wow. went and I told my wife that right after that. And she was like, yeah, I've been wondering what's wrong with you. you know, like, <laughs> like, and so uh, she actually, you know, wasn't even afraid. She was like more excited than anything. And so uh, anyways, yeah, man. Uh, so that kind of sparked the whole thing. And, you know, right after that, we started calling a bunch of commercial brokers and just trying to do everything we could. Um, the first thing that we did was we got online and I was like, well, I mean, we share houses, we share, we share cars, we, you know, share sporting goods online. So I'm sure there's some way to share commercial space. And I'll just have the same setup that I had with Dan. So just to be clear, you're not looking to rent out your own commercial space. Absolutely that could clearly yeah. be done through like a commercial real estate MLS, you know, like we're all familiar with. Uh, you're looking for a model in which people are sharing the same space so that somebody's using it maybe half of the week and the yeah. other person's using it or whatever the ratio is. Absolutely. And so um, I get online because I knew churches were sharing space. I mean, I knew that was happening. So I get online and I start searching and man, I'm, you know, 30 pages deep on my iPhone, you know, <laughs> in Google and, uh, I can't find anything. And so it went the traditional route. We started calling a bunch of commercial brokers. Um, and you know, I was 26. They just basically kind of laughed at us. I mean, we told them what our budget was. Uh, they would ask what our previous rental history were. And I was like, Oh, you know, I rented space for my dad's building. So it just like it was hard to get them not to laugh at us most of the time. Right. And, uh, so we just kind of kept trucking along, and uh, we got really fortunate. We were on Craigslist, and we found a lady that was trying to get out of her building, and um, so we were able to kind of take over for her, and um, that was cool. But it, it was also pretty jarring, just that you know, I mean, I'm signing a four to five year lease that's going to escalate in price over time, and my budget has just octupled. So how in the world and not and typically because I didn't have previous rental history because I didn't have all that stuff, I was gonna have to personally guarantee the lease. So I mean So that means your own money. My money, man, you know, so we don't figure it out. You know, it's not just me, it's it's me and my family that are um, really kind of put in this space. But I had no other options. So I mean, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna just, you know, let the church die and you know, and I just, yeah, so it was the, the only So this is kind of a, a make or break, like do or die yeah, moment man. for your church and yeah. possibly even your family at this oh point. Oh my gosh, yeah, man. And um, So stakes so, are high. Yeah, you know, and um, so, you know, and plus I'm a, I'm still really young, you know, I'm 26, you know. I, I Right now I'm, you're 26? Now I'm, I'm 29 now. At the time I was 26. And uh, so anyway, so uh, we kind of make it happen and um, we get into the building, we kind of renovate some stuff, make it look a little nicer, painted the walls, you know. And then we had this like horrible realization that we were never here. I mean, we were never, ever here. So we were paying thousands of dollars for this building, and we were here two days a week. And what, So what was your rent at the time? What was the monthly uh, the, It's $4,000 a month. $4,000 a month, and you're yeah. using it maybe 20% of exactly, the time, if that. Man, exactly. And, you know, at first it was okay because we were in here and we were remodeling, so we were in here all the time, you know, and, and it was it was really fun and exciting. But once we kind of got some of that stuff done, it was getting weird. Like, man, we, we haven't really gone to the church. And when we are there, nobody else is there. <laughs> and we started just kind of thinking through this thing. And, you know, one day I just kind of sat down and I started, you know, quantifying, you know, how many hours are in a month? You know, you have right around 720. And I was paying for every single hour that I had this building. And so I started thinking about, well, down to the hours, how often am I actually there? 
and it averaged out to at the most about 50 hours a week so 200 hours a month that's 520 hours that I was paying for that I was basically just wasting so we call that idle capacity in the business world. Yeah. And that's really good that you had the yeah. foresight, not as a business guy, but just realize, yeah. sitting down and putting the numbers together, like, wait a minute, how much idle capacity, how much like basically wasted resource is sitting around yeah. on the table that I'm paying for? Yeah. And man, it, it um, I, the thing was, though, is that we knew people were sharing space. We knew that churches were doing it. So we were just like, there has to be some kind of way where I can post this thing. You so know, you I knew can... this, but it was more just informal, handshake and a smile, like yeah. from person to person. It wasn't formalized through a website yeah. or some kind of platform. And, and you heard about it. You'd, you'd, you'd meet pastors and you'd say, oh, where do you guys meet? And they'd say, oh, we share a building with this whatever. And so we were like, well, how are they connecting? So because we had no idea, um, we just posted it the only way we could on Facebook and Craigslist. Just the availability of our space. We took really cool pictures of, of the upgrades we'd made and gave a description of the, the type of things we had in here. And man, I mean, within three months, we had 65% of our overhead covered by people that were just renting our space and we weren't here. Wow. And that, you know... I think that was kind of the start of like there might be something here. There there might be some sort of idea kind of brewing, but you know I'm I'm like just so focused on trying to pay my bills with the church, you know, and so that was kind of the first time we started thinking about it. Um and then it just kind of kept increasing. Like I, I kept feeling more and more like I started feeling a little bit more excitement about that than other projects we were working on. And I was like, man, okay, something, something's here. So then I started thinking about who else could do this. So I start making all these calls to you know people that had gyms and dance studios, recording studios, just any kind of facility that had a lot of dead time, like I did. Right. And the the thing was, as soon as I start speaking to these people, they all start telling me, man, we've wanted to share our space forever. We've been trying to figure out some way how we could open up the availability that we're paying for, and um. And there just wasn't really anything out there. And they and the only thing that there was was Craigslist, but like Craigslist was so sketchy and that was the pain right. point that we were having where we had all these people come in and we were so excited because they were getting a start or they were being able to, you know, kind of sustain something that they were running. But man, they that did not mean that they paid on time. And <laughs> that did not mean that they returned my calls, you know, something right. breaks and you start calling everybody, Hey, what happened? And you get no reply, you know what I mean? And uh, so, so you're starting off with a personal problem that you're realizing, yeah. and then you're starting to realize, wait a minute, there's a lot of other people I'm talking about who have the same problem. Yeah. And I've heard it said before that uh, you know entrepreneurs who are pretty successful and have a history, they, I've heard one guy said, I don't get excited about ideas or solutions. I get excited about problems because yeah. when there's a pain point, that's yeah. what people are going to pay for. So yeah, you're absolutely. seeing this personally and anecdotally, but then you're starting to see there's a pattern here and yeah. a, a bigger picture. Yep. And now you're like, okay, so clearly... I'm not the only one dealing with this. There must be something yeah. in place, right? Like obviously somebody's thought of this. This is yeah. this just must be the case, right? And yeah. so what did you guys find out? Well, oh. so so kind of after that, that was when I was like when I realized it was like other industries, not just churches, that's whenever the lights really started going on. So I called Brett and you know, I I didn't even own a laptop when we started this company. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I am, I am at the time I was the furthest thing from you know tech savvy. Tech savvy. I mean, yeah. I I didn't know how to do anything, and so I just figured, well, I'm just dumb and can't figure this out. But this has to be out there. There's too much of demand. It's too simple. It has to be there. 
So I called Brett, who had an amazing job at an e-commerce company in Rockwall, um, had done so That's well in the Colorado himself. Springs area? Uh, that's actually back in Dallas. And what had happened... Oh, you had moved back to Dallas at this point. Yeah. So after uh, we went to uh, college, I spent a year uh, volunteering in South Africa, working at a church there. And then I moved back to Dallas for about three years. And that's where I got my start in e-commerce. And, and you were still at this point, your, your plan was to learn how to code and do things so you could be self-sustaining on the missions field. Well, it... It was kind of funny how it happened where that was my initial plan was that I was on the mission field um, and just it seemed like support had dried up. And I was thinking like, well, what can I do to like just ease the the pain of this and still buy groceries? And I started freelance uh, doing IT work and coding for folks, uh, fixing their websites. And my plan was to, yeah, get uh, get started um, and you know, be bivocational, uh, volunteering at churches, um, be on the mission field, something like that um, is what I'd studied for and what was on my heart. Um, and then after I moved back uh, to the States, uh, it just seemed like those doors kind of closed for whatever reason. And I was really perplexed by it, but I thought, well, let me just get a job for a year, see what happens, what opens up. And what kept opening up was things in the business world hmm. where, you know, I went from having basically little professional experience in coding uh, to landing my first job in just like a generalist IT role, updating the website. And within nine months, I was doing more coding, taking on marketing roles. We hired someone to be an assistant for me at that company. It was just this real fast rise that I thought the entire time, like, surely I'm just going to like go back to Africa again sometime soon. <laughs> but the Lord kept opening things up in Texas. And it was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it, enjoyed the challenge, Made um, had a lot of great opportunities to speak with people locally that wouldn't normally have conversations about Jesus or um, wouldn't weren't really interested in hearing the whole sort of like, you should come to church pitch. But then whenever you've worked with them on projects and business for months at a time, they're, they're comfortable and they open up. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's my struggles. Here's my doubts. Um, and so was, you're finding that there's a domestic mission field. You don't necessarily yeah. have to be in Africa or way over there in some outer darkness somewhere, but if yeah. you may be in a met- metropolitan area in Dallas or somewhere in Texas or whatever, yeah. is just as good, if not maybe even a better mission field yeah. that the Holy Spirit directed you to. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking with people who take their kids to church every week, but they still don't fully believe or they still have their doubts because – but you can't really explain that in a church setting like that without bringing up more things and have – you know. so they weren't comfortable with that. But they – you know, yeah, it was an opportunity there in business that way. Well, and if you think about it, that makes sense because you spend at least usually, what, 40 hours a week oh, yeah. in the workplace and maybe an hour or two for the average churchgoer if yeah. they even go to church. Right. So it's just – and Lance Walnut talks about this in his Seven Mountains of Influence message where he says, you know, you don't necessarily have to be evangelizing first and getting people saved and then discipling them. You can do it covertly in the marketplace where you are – basically discipling them in the beginning by coming up with ideas, mentoring yeah. them, coming up with you know good strategies, people start to um, see that you have credibility and respect and authority, and yeah. now they're willing to open the door of their heart where you can actually evangelize and get them saved and brought into the kingdom. Yeah, and it's it's such a major difference when, you know, you know, having been on, you know, church staffs before, you know, you kind of feel that pressure of, okay, who am I bringing to church? Who am I discipling? And when you're in business, people know your metric isn't how many people am I evangelizing this week? You know, if you're really coming in, they're thinking, well, 
Fred's main goal is to grow revenue. So whenever he's telling me about this, this isn't he's coming. I'm not bringing any ulterior motives in. I'm I'm legitimately saying this because I think this helps you, or I'm having you know. I'm not trying to like pitch you on something that's going to make me feel better that way. Uh, and it, it, just that sort of clear motive, um, people can see, see through it. So it was, um, really helpful for me with that. Um, and yeah, it gave me a great, a lot of opportunities to share, um, share about Jesus with people. So I, I did that, lived in Texas for about three years. Um, and, um, still didn't have any sort of do, you know, I didn't see anything or feel anything about a particular call to go back into full-time ministry, um, but I was feeling the call away from Dallas, um, which is where my family was. My, you know, the business that I was at, you know, it had I think by that point doubled in revenue since I had started there um, and started working with them and leading the e-commerce department, and uh, everything was saying, okay, here's this opportunity here. I started getting job offers in the East Coast, like New York, L.A., all over, and just none of it felt right. But what I did feel uh, from, and I at this point I had to chalk it up to the Lord because I'm like, this does not make sense, you know, like <laughs> all the normal metrics of how much money could I make, what would my resume look like, said I should go to the coast, and what I felt led to do was come back to Colorado Springs. Uh, I love that. That's what I talk about a lot on here is the thing that makes no sense to human logic or understanding, yeah. but it God's behind it. And yeah. it's just, you can't even explain it, but it's literally that piece which transcends yeah. understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. And I just felt that piece about it. And so I packed everything up in my car, drove back here um, at the end of 2015. Um, and I think at that point, Justin was smack dab in the middle of business school. And so I just got settled in, uh, lived with some friends who I'd known from Bible college, just tried to get um, back in a place that was just more enjoyable for me. Um, Did you have a tech job offer out here to come out here? No. So what actually happened, and this is another, you know, miracle, at least from everything I knew and experienced was that um, I actually had this kept the same job um, and got a raise to work remotely. Oh, wow. Which, so this company from Dallas that you were in that you had helped double their revenue within the three years you worked there, yeah. they were allowing you to work remotely yeah. here in Colorado. And they had turned it down from other people. They said, we don't want to do remote. We want people here. And I said, I'm moving. Um, do you want me to work remotely? And after you know some grumbling and some discussions, they're like, sure, we'll do it. Um, and yeah, so I got to do the same thing from my home office and really enjoyed it for a while. Um, but I was still trying to find like a church community here in Colorado Springs, one that really fit, um, you know, sort of my say I had the same heart for people, had the same sort of um, focus on relationship with God. And, you know, after a few months, I just hadn't clicked with anything. And I was sitting on my computer, um, I think I was watching TV, and um, I had like a mental image of Justin, and it was um, like a picture, and I I just knew in that moment, I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to go to church this Saturday. I wanted to stay home and play video games. (laughs) And I didn't know much, like I had heard a little bit because of some, from some mutual friends about, at this point, um, they had just gotten in the, uh, the new building, and... So I came and shared that word with Justin, and we hadn't spoken in probably four or five years at that point. It had been a long time, man. I mean, I, I don't remember 
did we, yeah probably something something like that yeah, yeah. I was trying to think cause, yeah sorry anyways yeah. something like that probably <laughs> yeah so we uh, so we just started connecting and then um, out of all this we were just meeting up you know mm-hmm. as normal and then one day over lunch um, Justin started asking about you know what do you think of this and my first thought was. You know, I follow the startup community from, you know, a distance and like there's everything there. Like you can, you know, press a button and get, you know, a car to come to your door or, <laughs> you know, get like cat toys delivered overnight. So there's there's got to be something as obvious as sharing commercial space. And I thought, well, I'm really good at Google. That's most of my job as a developer is finding what's broken and finding an answer to it on Google. Uh, so I'm sure I can find something. And I spent uh, a f- like a couple hours one day going through trying every variation of uh, what I could search for, and I found nothing that really offered what Justin was talking about. Um, and I thought, man, this is pretty weird, but this is a huge opportunity. Um, and so we started connecting more about it and trying to hash out some of the details. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't anything where we had these grand plans. Because Justin was pastoring a church, and that's a full-time job and more. Um, I was still working for this company in Texas full-time. Um, and we just started going through stuff. And we were like, we're going to work on this on the weekends, maybe meet up for lunch once a week or something. Nothing crazy. Um, and it pretty soon after that, things started happening, uh, which was probably the weirdest part of it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I I connect with Brett, and I'm like, hey, man, I have this kind of idea. And I'm kind of like trying to talk myself out of doing it, you know. And uh, I sit with Brett, and he's like, yeah, somebody's doing this. And we had like, I think we were eating Indian food, you know. Yeah. He's like, somebody's definitely doing that. And then he comes back a week later and says, I'll match any capital that you've put in. Um, I will. um, This is an outside investor? No, this is Brett. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is Brett. Um, Because, you know, I talked to him about, like, do you want to do this, you know? And he was like, somebody's already doing it. Um, And then when he came back, he said, dude, I couldn't find anything. I will match any capital you've put in. Let's partner up. Let's do this. Wow. And you're you're convinced that very early on, you're ready to literally put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I asked him, I said, look, what kind of partnership are you thinking about? You know, because that's not really what I was expecting him to say. (laughs) And so I was thinking, you know, maybe he would come on and help me out or something. I didn't know, you know, what he was really thinking. So I said, you know, what what percentage partnership are you thinking about? And he's like, 50-50. And I was like... Oh, so you're wanting to like go in? He was like, he's like, let's let's do this, and um, that was that was kind of the start. And then after I'm willing that, to do it. Uh, just I don't yeah. know this for sure, but yeah. uh, Brett, you've got some experience in the startup and entrepreneur community. I'm willing to guess that's probably not typical that you share an idea with somebody who takes a couple hours of research on Google and is willing to really literally match dollar for dollar capital and go in a fifty fifty partnership. Yeah, and it. It was, I mean, it definitely wasn't what I planned on doing whenever we started talking about it, but it just felt, you know, I just had that piece about it. Um, and I had, I mean, I had the piece about the idea. I had the piece about working on it, um, had the piece about working with Justin. I, you know, I'd known him for years and trusted him and yeah, it, it was pretty unusual that way, but also to Justin's credit, it's pretty unusual for someone to you know, I have the idea. I want to start this, and then when someone says I want to be fifty-fifty, you know, to actually go along with it, because a lot of people, you know, they're like, "But this is my idea. This is my baby." Yeah. 
And um, to his credit, yeah. So I think it was probably weird from both of our perspectives that way. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, you um, – I'm always looking for somebody that can kind of counterbalance my, my skills, and that is Brett incarnate for one. Awesome. Um, and really for two, I think the thing that I value the most is grit. You know, that's something that, you know, Dan just instilled in me. You know, if you don't quit, you win. Um, and, you know, just you, you, whatever you do, no matter what it is, you just don't quit, you know. And uh, I have revised my thinking on that some, you know. <laughs> there is some things that's really healthy to quit and uh, get out of and things. But, you know, um, it did instill this thing with grit. And because I knew Brett's history, both where he came from, um, he comes from the exact same, you know, part of the world that I do. And I know, you know, the extreme challenges of being able to get out of that and get out of that area and, you know, for him to take the same type of risks that I did to come out here with really no backing from family and all that stuff. And then, you know, the huge risk of, you know, going to the mission field, but then going out there and when everything didn't work out, he didn't just like run home. You know what I mean? He didn't send out a panic letter. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. He figured out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And didn't blame God for not, you know, you, you're not faithful because you didn't do this. He's like, no, man. like, And that that spoke volumes to me. Um, and, j- again, just spoke to his grit. And so it was like, yeah, man, if you want to do this, let's roll. You know? you know, that's a really great point because um, I'm starting to think about putting together some partnerships for real estate investment and different, you know, ideas. And what I hear over and over and over again from people is that you take a business partnership literally just as seriously as you would a marriage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one of the first pieces of advice we got, um, and I would say it's one of the most invaluable to us. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Because, yeah, for us, you know, we never, you know, and we'll talk about some of the the stuff that's happened, um, but we, even in the midst of all these challenges, it was, we never used the word quit, you know? Yeah, no. Um, In the same way that, you know, a common piece of marriage advice is never use the D word, Um, same thing, where we... You know, we're like, we're in this together. We're, you know, yeah. we're either going to succeed at it or fail together, but we're going to do it together. You know? And we had really realistic expectations with that. Um, I mean, you know, it was it was very clearly understood and spoken about that this is going to be like a marriage. So let's get some ground rules. Let's let's before we do all the other stuff, let's like make sure that this is going to stay tight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, all along the way, you know, and in the first year, it's it's kind of funny, you know, like. Brett's a developer and I'm not, I don't even understand the tech space. So the first part of our partnership, man, it was, um, every, everything that could have been shaken would have been shaken. Then we were in this little tiny, tiny, tiny little office. Um, I don't even understand the terms in tech at this point. I'm having to watch YouTube videos about how to talk to people, you know, because um, <laughs> that is important. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. You know, and Brett's the developer, so he's literally the one managing all of our people that is coding and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just having to sit there and just kind of lose the pride, you know, and like, hey, do you need me to go get you lunch? Do you like what can I do to help you? You know what I mean? And and this is my idea, you right? Know? Yeah, that's yeah, a you know great I mean? point. Yeah. It, yeah, it took a lot of humility, which, you know, really, you know, further built that trust with Justin that way. So, yeah, it, you know, is absolutely that important to to really n- nail down that, you know, you've got the same values that y- you aren't going to, you know, quit on each other or anything yeah, like that. So absolutely. Right. I've yeah. talked a lot about people that the... Uh, 
foundation laying is the biggest part before you even mm. lay the foundation you got to get build the the hole that it's going to go in and then yeah, with that yeah. you start laying the foundation it doesn't look like anything's happening right and then uh before you know it once that foundation is laid well deep wide and you know strong it's amazing how fast something can go up yeah so that's where i want to start going into now is uh once you had laid this foundation both individually and then together as a partnership Talk about in the last, I think it was the last year that really oh, things yeah. started happening, right? Yeah. Just kind of yeah. walk, you have so many amazing things. Um, kind of just walk us through some of the highlights in the last year of how you've been able to raise capital, the pitches, all those kinds of things that have happened once that foundation was laid. Yeah. Do you want to take this one or you want me to take this one? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start and then you can yeah, fill okay. in some of the details. So, yeah, so we've, I mean, we incorporated. So um, our you know company birthday is April 2017. Um, so you started April of, 20th of 2017. Yeah. Okay. So then we're. Um, you know, at that point, we're still on the kind of we're going to work on weekends and you know meet up a little bit. So this is I, kind of a side hustle at this. Yeah, point. Um, I still had my my full time job and all, and uh, so Justin would come down once or twice a week to the co working space where you know, I was tired from of working from home, so he'd come down, we'd whiteboard some things, and we're figuring out just all the basic details. Um, and after probably about two months of that, uh, Justin reached out to. Um, a mentor of his, uh, someone who taught at the business school and a, a friend. And, you know, this guy, amazing um, in developing businesses, um, helping people really get their, their things together and really creating like a solid foundation from a business standpoint. And he just said, let's let's have him poke some holes in it and tell us everything we're doing wrong. Because this is Corey Steinke? This is Corey Steinke. Great and guy. Just a little plug for Corey. I'm about to start working with him as the intern for the business school. He is solid gold. He so. is, I'm, I'll have to chime in. He, <laughs> he is he is solid, solid gold. He would, yeah. I, I mean, kind of the same way that Dan was for me in the you know church world, Corey has kind of been the same in, in the business world, along with some other mentors. But Corey... I mean, we can trace a lot of the things that have pushed us along to just his mentorship. And sure. that's a good point, too, is that, you know, the it's priceless, the value of oh gosh, mentorship yeah. and people Absolutely. who've been in the world. Because Corey's got several different businesses, pretty established, but he's also yeah. got the right heart. Yeah. So you take this idea, now that you're incorporated and you're kind of getting more serious about it, still a side hustle, but you're like, hey, Corey, I'm kind of starting to think about getting into this a little more seriously. Poke holes in this as much as you can. I want, and, and that's a good thing because professionals invite scrutiny. Yeah. And uh, so you started just saying, hey, tear this thing apart. Let us know why this isn't a good idea or yeah. what about it is or whatever. So talk yeah. about what happened from that. Yeah. So from there, we put together a pitch deck um, and that was pretty much it. Like we had like the, the structure, we had some of the, the concepts of how we thought this was going to work, what we'd need to build, like what a market rollout plan could look like, um, put it all together and uh, put it on uh, a TV just in the other room from where we're recording here <laughs> and just said, Corey, what do you think? And yeah, he... Um, <clears throat> Corey is is um, kind of reserved, I think, in his praise. I think that's kind of the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also, you can tell when he's happy and when he's excited. And so he, uh, you know, he kind of soft plays us a little bit, you know, and leans back from the table. And then he says, I think this is a $100 million idea. <laughs> 
on that cliffhanger, we'll end this week's portion of the episode between Brett Farrow and Justin Knapp from Space Together. Stay tuned next week as we have the amazing conclusion to all the miraculous ways in which God intervened to provide not only investment capital, but incredible ideas and connections to these two faithful men of God who simply followed the voice of the Holy Spirit into what looks to be a very profitable venture. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Better Way Podcast with Ryan Haley. For more information and to discover more episodes, visit abetterwaypodcast.com or search us on iTunes, TuneIn, or any of your favorite online audio sites. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes or send us an email at ryan at abetterwaypodcast.com. Have a suggestion for who we could interview next? Let us know on our website. Finally, A Better Way is listener-sponsored. Help us to further the message of kingdom entrepreneurship by supporting us financially. You can give online on our website, abetterwaypodcast.com. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.